you guys. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the Busy Mom Podcast. Uh, Today, I'm going to take a little bit of a veer away from what we've been talking about. I just had my friend Steve Demme on the podcast. Uh, Love his heart for uh, homeschooling families in particular, but really more than that, uh, love his passion for Jesus and his desire to uh, turn the hearts of those who he has the opportunity to influence back to the importance of being in right relationship with the Lord and spending time in his word. I want to just, I want to talk a little bit today about um, kind of a something I'm seeing being really revealed in the election. I mean, certainly we're learning a lot about ourselves as a nation right now. Uh, We're learning a lot about uh, who we trust. You know, I've quoted a lot saying, you know, some might trust in horses and some might trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord. And that's certainly uh, true. It's true in the elections, no matter who gets elected, right? Uh, We trust in the name of the Lord. But I'm seeing something happening, particularly in the light of these revelations of Donald Trump's uh, lewd speech. And I, I listened to it, like many of you with a fair degree of horror (laughs) and embarrassment uh, and sadness at comments that Mr. Trump made uh, over 10 years ago. But more than that, I got to thinking, you know, what is really at stake? What is happening in our nation where the church is divided? We're divided over the authority and centrality of Scripture. We're divided over the issue of homosexuality. Unfortunately, shockingly, we're divided over the issue of abortion. And I got to thinking what, you know, my husband and I have been talking about this a lot lately, talking about it with our with our kids. We talk about this stuff uh, around the table at night and around, you know, the, uh, the fireplace. And you know, there's a lot hanging in the balance right now. But it occurred to me, uh, something that the Apostle Paul said in in First Timothy, I want to read it to you. It says, uh, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Jesus Christ, might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. And when we, we talk about, you know, uh, more sin, less God, but what I'm kind of learning in my life and kind of want to suggest that, uh, to my listeners today to be thinking about uh, in our own lives as believers, uh, that more of God in my life actually means more sin, not hopefully not more sin, like as in I am sin, sinning more, but in the awareness of my own sin. Um, a person who's closer to God is more aware of sin than anyone who is distant. And then hopefully a person who's more aware of his own sin is going to be having a more relevant experience with God because we're going to be growing in our walk with him. So when we step outside of our homes and we step out onto social media, we are saying, Father, break my heart for what breaks yours. And I've been thinking, what what would break the heart of the father more than Donald Trump's remarks about women, however horrifying and inexcusable? To me, the murder of the unborn surely ranks at the top of the list 
of things that breaks the heart of God. I was listening to Mike Pence talking the other day about uh, the sanctity of life uh, during his vice presidential debate. And uh, his opponent, Tim Kaine, who claims to be a Roman Catholic, uh, although I don't know how you can be a Roman Catholic and be pro-choice, but apparently he is, uh, he was saying that choice is more important. And I'm thinking, boy, at some point, Christians in this country need to do some real serious thinking about what's really important to God. Uh, and I got to thinking about, you know, the history of the homeschool movement. And sorry, this is a little bit probably deeper and less funny <laughs> and less lighthearted podcast than I normally do. But I've been thinking a lot lately about the homeschool movement. And years ago, uh, year, probably 10 years ago at least, uh, there was a, a movement called patriarchy. Some of you are going to be familiar with the term uh, that really choked the life out of the homeschool movement. Uh, it became uh, such a legalistic movement Um I think many times uh, what Steve was uh, referring to in his own family was the case in many, many families uh, where we were so pious in our in our beliefs and so uh, set on legalism that we failed to see uh, the heart of God in our marriages. We failed to see it with our children. We began being all about rules and regulations, and uh, we miss it completely. And I'm sort of seeing that right now in uh, the church, because we're so dogmatic about the sins of this person, Donald Trump, who has, you know, for better or for worse, been, uh, is the only guy who has a shot at running and beating Hillary Clinton, who would expand abortion rights across the country. The woman is in favor of the dismemberment of babies up until the moment they take their first breath outside the womb. Let that sink in. And yet, I see Christians, many of whom are friends of mine, many of whom are well-known in the homeschool movement, saying that their conscience cannot afford them to vote for someone who is lewd like Donald Trump. And I'm thinking, so we're going to put the the murder of unborn babies below the lewd speech of a person who doesn't, uh, probably doesn't know the Lord. I can't, I can't, I mean, only God can speak for whether or not he's, uh, this man is saved. But I wonder if the religious spirit that we see so proudly displayed uh, among the church right now is going to be the same thing that ends up determining where our nation goes for generations, because that's certainly what happened uh, with the patriarchy movement. The religious spirit, which is really the root of of that movement, uh, is behind it, uh, sort of hijacked it. And instead of loving on our kids and loving on our spouses, we ended up being known for rules and regulations. And many of those kids who grew up in that environment walked away from God entirely. And we got to recognize what the Apostle Paul is saying, that uh, we're all sinners. Paul said Jesus came to save sinners. And the Apostle Paul said, of whom I am the worst. And none of us are better Uh in God's eyes, than Donald Trump. We may have gotten our speech better, uh, and we may not have, you know, cheated on our spouse. I'm not trying to make excuses for the guy. I'm just saying, oh my goodness, we're all sinners. Someone said to me the other day, well, I, you know, she basically mocked me for um, putting my Christian, my Christian witness, she said, on the line by being so vocal in support of a man who was so distasteful. And I'm, I'm not here to you know, I'm not super excited. You know, I'm not, 
I don't have a Donald Trump banner, you know, hanging in my front yard. Uh, but man, I care about the unborn. It grieves me in this nation uh, that more Christians wouldn't put the lives of the unborn above their distaste for uh, things that Donald Trump has said and done in the past. It, it grieves me. It's a it's a lie uh, that we're any better than anybody else because we're saved. Absolutely a lie. Uh, Brother Lawrence said, sin is my nature, the only thing I know how to do. The only thing that we don't need to be taught how to do, the only thing we don't need to be trained how to do is to sin. We need to get up every morning and come before the Lord and say, Lord, help me. Uh, be right before you. I mean, our hearts should be breaking that our president lit up the White House in the colors of a sin that God says is reprehensible in his eyes. It'd be like lighting up the White House with the words adultery and celebrating it. That's what we're doing as this na- as a nation. That's what we're doing when we elect people into the highest offices in the land who refuse to stand up for righteousness. That's what happens when we elect people into the highest office in the land who uh, will elect Supreme Court judges who will determine the future of our grandchildren. I was reading a book that was given to me quite a long time ago by another uh, pastor friend of mine. I'll link back to it today. It's called uh, 12 Steps for the Recovering Pharisee, like me, <laughs> uh, Finding Grace to Live Unmasked. It was written uh, several years ago by a man, a man named John Fisher. And uh, I want to read a little bit of it uh, to you today because I think it speaks to what we're going through as a nation right now. And listen, I'm not saying I'm any better than you guys. I've, I've wrestled my way. Many of you have heard me, seen me come full circle on this uh, this issue, you know, certainly through the election, but the word of God doesn't change. Uh, we need to, we're not voting for a person. We're, vo- we're voting for a platform. We're voting for policy. And when we throw our vote away for a third party because of our conscience, it's really an oxymoron. You know, someone said, well, I have to vote for my conscience and then and then trust that God is sovereign. Well, that's the same thing as saying, I'm going to let my child run out into the freeway and then trust that God is sovereign, that God's in control. God won't hold us guiltless for not speaking on behalf of the unborn, even if we have to do it in a way that offends our senses. We are accountable uh, to the Lord for how we steward uh, the opportunities he gives us. So this is what uh, uh, Mr. Fisher wrote. He said, uh, the big Christian lie in this charming coming of age novel, uh, Portofino, Frank Schaefer, son of Francis and Edith Schaefer, two of the most important Christian thinkers in the last three decades, strips away the veneer from what many have thought was the ideal Christian family. Frank, formerly Frankie, paints a picture in this novel of a fundamentalist evangelical family on vacation in Italy over the course of two summers. The parallels between the story and what I know about Frank's own family and childhood are everywhere. In the story, we see a distant, silent father who in public is fighting for a culturally relevant biblical orthodoxy, but in private was prone to huge mood swings and a violent temper. A wife who fights with him over which of them is more spiritual, and children who are forced to be, quote, biblical before they know what any of it even means. Though some of the situations are humorous and charming, others are too painfully real to just be funny. Having grown up in a similar evangelical family caught in public uh, caught in a public and private dichotomy, I find Portofino cathartic, to say the least. Uh, 
In looking into the story, I discovered that I have two reactions to this dysfunctional Christian family. The first is to take some pleasure in their shortcomings because I feel somehow better about my own. The second reaction is to be disappointed. Something inside me wishes Frank hadn't uncovered this flawed family portrait because then I could go on believing that at least someone I revered, like Francis and Edith Schaefer, had gotten it right. It occurs to me that this second reaction could be thought of as the big Christian lie. That is the belief that somebody, somewhere, got it right. Don't we flock to speakers and singers who are upfront and important because they're getting it right? And aren't they up there because we expect that of them? When it becomes painfully obvious that in some area of their lives, they didn't get it right, aren't they promptly removed from their place? Aren't all those smiling people on the covers of Christian books telling us how we too can get it right if we follow their advice? If we didn't worship at the altar of getting it right, then there wouldn't be a market for half this stuff. But have no fear, Christian entrepreneurs. The market is not in any danger because this appeal has held human beings in its grip ever since Moses came down the mountain with God's top 10 list for getting it right. And we all carry on with the lie. Unfortunately, getting it right is not the issue. If we are all facing sin more realistically, we would not be so surprised when it shows up in the life of a spiritual leader. I sometimes fear that my own children will write about me. Boy, I can relate to him on that one. If we're being truthful about who we really are, all of us, we would all know that our leaders are human, just like we are. Sometimes I wonder if we want our spiritual leaders to be perfect so we don't have to be. As long as we believe somebody's perfect, we can go on perpetuating the myth that perfection is possible and keep on shrouding our own sins safely behind the lie of the almost. We're almost there. We've almost arrived. We're almost holy. One more book, one more seminar, one more revival service, and we will be just like the person on the cover of the book or the brochure. That's why leaders fall. It blows the cover off the charade. Suddenly, this elusive spiritual life we are all trying to lead is further away than we thought. Almost is not even close. If the pastor can fall, what does it say about our chances? If we are more honest with ourselves, we will know that the real question is not how someone so high could fall so far, but rather why hasn't it happened sooner in such an atmosphere of denial? What were these people doing up there in the first place? What were we doing in putting them there? The real problem in this case is not with sin, it's with our false idea of who we think we are. We need to understand that when someone falls, it's not the end. It's just the truth finally being known. It's actually a good thing if it sends us all back to the gospel, where we should have been all along. And I guess I want to just encourage you in the 30 seconds I have left today to, like me, do some soul-searching We're holding Donald Trump up to a pretty high standard right now with good reason because he's running for the highest office in the land, but we dare not forget that we are all sinners saved by grace. And we need to be praying for for him. We need to be asking ourselves, what breaks the heart of God? Lord, help us in our propensity to sin. Even though we're saved and we know the grace and forgiveness of God, our propensity to sin is there every day. The reminder that Frank Schaefer's son threw out to everybody is a reminder for everybody still today. But by the grace of God goes the rest of us.
I hope that you'll take some time like I'm doing and like my husband's doing, like our whole family is doing, and get on your knees before the Lord because we need the Lord. We need the Lord to open our eyes to what breaks his heart because we're not choosing between uh, a perfection uh, perfection and imperfection. It's all imperfect, and we need to hear from the Lord. I'd welcome your comments. I'm going to be uh, leaving in a couple of days for Tampa. For those of you who have not yet registered for that, you can go and do that still at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash fearless. I will be uh, in Tampa with my whole family, along with the film crew from Chattanooga. We're going to be filming this event. So uh, we're really looking forward to what God is going to do and uh, excited to pray with the women there and excited to see what God is doing. For those of you who are registered and are, are coming, I would encourage you to bring a notebook. Uh, bring a pen, get prepared to take some notes, prepared to have a great time in worship, and uh, just coming before the Lord together. We're looking forward to seeing you guys. For the rest of you, uh, those who are listening to the podcast, I really want to thank you for listening. Don't forget to leave a review at iTunes. Uh, you can find me just by searching for The Busy Mom or for Heidi St. John at iTunes. We appreciate very much leaving those reviews. My prayers are with you as they are with the nation. I'll see you back here next time. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.